0: is a funny old game as we know and Rocco <laughs> Dean you've written this book which um, is uh, has it just come out?
1: Yeah on, on Monday yes. 2nd of August it was out yeah What
0: has the reaction been? Have there been Leeds United fans lapping up Marcello Bielsa versus the Damned United?
1: Yeah it's been really good um, It's, I mean all the, all the feedback I've had has been really positive um, it's been great it's been excellent I didn't know what to expect I mean it's the first book I've wrote so yeah, I didn't have a clue really um, how, how things would be but everyone seems to be really liking it so far so uh, it's all good, it's great, I'm, it's exciting times.
0: It's, uh, we are talking on the 4th of August, so the week before Leeds' second season back in the Money League so so far you've got £300 million. Uh, Marcello is <laughs> yeah. worth about three times that, isn't he? Oh,
1: he's, uh, he's priceless, can't put money on him. I mean, what he's done for the squad... You know, just just you know, in terms of the value of the squad with the players that he inherited, uh, the plays he's bought, and how how much better he's made them. But then the value of him as a person and and what he's done, you know, for the club and for the fans, for the city, his whole way of living and being and his approach on life. I mean, it you know, it sounds cheesy to to go into such depths when you're talking about a football manager, but he is. Um, you know he is godlike he's he's just an incredible man that's really rubbed off on on a lot of people in a in a mm. really positive way he's, he's been incredible he's opened he opens your eyes to things that may have been in the back of your mind somewhere that you didn't realize or just a you know a whole new way of viewing football and and life and and transfers you know everything from the shallow to the very deep it's it's uh, yeah, everyday's an education with him is incredible.
0: I love this line, um, combative and aggressive football played in a good fair spirit. Now, when Norman yeah. Hunter was playing, he was anything but good and fair. So I think the power of what Marcello Bielsa El Loco, El Special Uno has done is that he's revived the glory glory League United Champions of Europe days of the early 1970s. And he has sort of grown his own culture. He's watered the seeds of this club. So that the Elland Road that I went to in 2012, it doesn't matter that Watford beat Leeds 6-1. It really doesn't matter that you were down to nine men and it was on your birthday. I mean, that's not what I'm here to talk about, but you rolled over and let us win. It's such a different club now. And it's because of three men, one of whom is the manager but do you yeah. not think that there's a kind of father, son, and Holy Ghost behind Leeds? You've got Victor Orta who brings in the players, Andrea Rattrizani who takes control of the money, and then you've got the Jesus Christ figure in Bielsa. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. I, I, I do refer to them as, as the Holy Trinity um, at times, and, and they are—you know—each one of them is as valuable as the other, really. Because Bielsa, if it wasn't for Rattrizani and Orta. You know, he might not even be here. You know, it takes a, it takes a very special type of owner to, to... Well, no owner has ever held Marcelo Bielsa at their club for more than, you know, two or three years. Yes. And, you know, we've got that lead now because they've given absolute 100% faith in him. And, I mean, it is quite astonishing, actually. I, I mean, I find it incredible the amount of faith that, that Rabrizani and Orta put in Bielsa. I didn't know anything about him obviously Orta knew all about him. But Radrizani, I, I imagine that he may have heard of him, but he didn't, wouldn't have known much about him. And, and even reading about him, I'm still, you know, I'm still surprised that Rad, Radrizani was willing to put so much faith into a man who, whose career had gone how it had done and someone who's got the reputation of El Loco. But I think what speaks volumes is, is the fact that when they met him in, in Buenos Aires, he had a whole presentation already prepared. He'd already watched every single Leeds game. And, and, you know, they saw then the essence of the man, how committed he is. You know, they, they realised that they had to have him and just give him exactly what he wanted. But even still, you know, to, to be able to do that for a Championship club who had, had struggled so badly for so long, to basically put all their eggs in, in the Bielsa basket, you know, a man who's never managed in England. who they would have thought knew nothing about the championship and probably he didn't until he started looking into the Leeds job. I think it's just terrific what they've done. And, yeah, the fact that they've just been willing to back him, give him whatever he wants, you know, to to do the job, how he sees it needing to be done, I've just got the only admiration for those guys. It's phenomenal, it really is. And that's why it's a three-way thing. There's no doubt about it. You know, Bielsa... Rightly takes the plaudits because, you know, he's a magician with what he's done with the players. But, yeah, the foundations have been put in place by Radvizani, who who came to a club that was just completely on its knees. And he's he's just done incredibly well. He's he's a really shrewd guy.
0: When Alex Ferguson, sorry to bring them up, but when Alex Ferguson was winning things with Man United, um, David Gill's contribution was underlooked. But Alex Ferguson always says, pick your chairman. Uh, and obviously right. the United chairman was Glazer. So they operated kind of independently from that. When David Gill left, Ferguson left, United torpedoed down.
1: Yeah. City
0: brought in the Barcelona connection, Begristan uh, and Soriano, who since left. And then Guardiola came in and, and we know what happened. But the last yeah. three years, it seems that Radrizani is almost distracted by 11 Sport, which is the TV channel... That he owns can't he doesn't have the kind of Darren McCcountany Nuss or the Andy Holt Nuss of i 'm making this up as I go along of being the mouthpiece at the club, so really the mouthpiece of Leeds is Bielsa
1: yeah yeah 100% and I mean it's the way it should be in a way it's an old fashioned way of of running a club now you know the the fact that Bielsa obviously he doesn't get involved in all the negotiations it's not like you know when Brian Clough was a manager and and Revy you know back in those days where the manager managed the club um, you know as a whole but yeah Bielsa has full control you know he, he, he decides what What is needed and what needs to be in place in the background? Of course, there's people doing that work for him. Um, He doesn't have time to do it all. But yeah, I I do think it is a yeah. It's it's an old-fashioned way of doing things, and um, I don't think there's many managers around nowadays that well probably would even want the amount of control that Bielsa has. I mean, you know, he right down to you know the the training ground at Thorpe Park. He made them redesign, or he redesigned, or he, he made somebody redesign the car park. Because he was concerned that the players were going to arrive and, and they were having a stressful start to the day because they didn't know if they were going to get a car parking spot. And, you know, so that's, that's the you know, level of detail that he goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, of course, nowadays, you know, I can't imagine any manager really. I mean, this is why they call him a loco, I suppose. But uh, he is. He, he is a bit of a throwback in that way.
0: Because he's come up through that era. Tim Rich has written this excellent book. I don't know if you've, had a, if you've had a chance, A, to read the book, or B, to listen to my chat with Tim, who um, has really delved into what makes Bielsa Bielsa. There's the Pochettino anecdote. There's the, was it Marseille and Lazio and Chile. Yes. This is a man who is basically the Leeds United of football. He's won very yeah. little, but the acclaim that he gets is in, is in inverse proportion to the silverware. So when you learned about him and his CV in the early days of Bielsa in 2018, did you think he was the right fit for the right club, or did you think Leeds would have to adapt a bit more and bend over backwards for him?
1: Yeah, I, I was I was worried. Um, I've read I've read Tim's book and it's yeah it's absolutely fantastic. But I only yeah I only read that a year ago yep. or, or whenever it came out. It was about a year ago, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I hadn't ever heard of Bielsa. Um, I started reading about him when he was linked um, and got really excited but only really because of the man that he was and, and, you know, the things that he stood for, you know, really excited me, you know, the type, you know, the type of character he was, you know, to see him at Leeds and someone who's so, you know, globally revered. Um, But I was, I was concerned. I, you know, I had my doubts. I didn't think for a second that we were going to kick off that first match and be a brilliant team overnight and, you know, basically continue that, and you know, nobody could have really predicted the journey. But no, I, I really didn't. I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, it took me probably a couple of months, two or three months, to finally accept that yes, it's not a flash in the pan. You know, these players are that good now, and he is that good of a manager. But yeah, I suppose as a Leeds fan of thirty years, you're always, you know, waiting for the crash to happen, waiting for something to go wrong. And of course, <laughs> it, it did a, a plenty of turns over the course of those two seasons before promotion. But yeah, I certainly never never thought that it would go as well as it has. I, I was excited, but you know, in a, you know, just I just thought it would be an exciting ride. I didn't. I didn't expect for a second he would make us the best team. You know, he didn't really buy any players. The pre-season results weren't impressive whatsoever. There was nothing really to make you think that it was it was going to be like it was.
0: I just don't know where all the money has gone. Because you haven't spent anything at all, as far as I can tell. Because you've got virtually the same squad that went up. And we won't yeah. talk about that squad. But uh, yeah, is there any activity? Do you need any new players this season? Uh, I know you've I mean, got you've lost a few. Yeah,
1: I mean we lost Pablo Hernandez um, and and Berardi, but neither of those really contributed last season. Uh, Pablo a little bit in the background. Um, Berardi was injured all season. Uh, we lost Alioski, the left-back, but we've replaced him with G- Junior Firpo from Barcelona. I'm not worried. I'm I'm pretty content. You know, Bielsa likes a small squad of 18 players, and I think that's fine. Um, you know, everyone at Leeds knows that if Calvin Phillips gets injured, we're in big trouble, but... What do you do about that? You can't, you can't do anything. It's a bit like the Harry Kane thing at Spurs. You know, you can't sign a striker who's good enough to replace Kane and have him sat on the bench. It's, it's just not going to happen. So Leeds have to find other ways, and Bielsa, you know, he, he, he does his best, and hopefully, yeah, maybe this season we'll, we'll cope better in the games when Phillips can't play.
0: Where's Jack but Harrison terms, playing? Uh, he'll be
1: on the left wing. Oh, he's still left, at home, he, Yeah, they've signed him. Yeah, they've, they've, they've. they've They've now made that signing permanent. Um, so he was 11 million. We had him on loan for three years, um, and they've made that permanent this summer. So yeah, I mean they spent 15 million on the left back, 11 million on, Har- on Harrison. So that's that's 26 million, um, which obviously nowadays it's not a lot. It's
0: a lot of goldfish. But actually,
1: just... <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, well, maybe not actually. <laughs> yes, that was a, that was a problem. It's three, uh, Seth yeah. three Seth Johnsons.
0: Three Seth Johnsons.
1: Yeah, gosh, plus him. Maybe consider inflation as well
0: mm.
1: but no the, the strategy was always to over invest last summer so they spent around about 100 million last summer and that was in view of settling down and consolidating in the Premier League and then this summer would be a you know they would just tweak it here and there where they needed to based on you know whatever happened you know if, if some players weren't up to it or whatever they would tweak it so that was always you know they, they invested heavily last year and it's almost like a two year plan I suppose to Navigate the first two years of the Premier League and consolidate their position. I think last season probably went better than they expected. I, I don't think it went, you know, beyond the dreams of any Leeds fan. I mean, I was I was hoping that we would finish top half, you know, top of the bottom half. That was like my my goal. But I really didn't know what to expect. It's impossible to to know when you're coming up after so long away. Um, you know how we were going to do, uh, but I did feel like we would. You know, just our fitness and the way we play. Um, you know, would would scare a lot of teams and, and get us a lot of results. So, yeah, this season, I, I, I mean, the, the target really has to be Europe because we only missed out on Europe by, I think, three points uh, and a bit of goal difference last season. So, um, yeah, that, that's got to be the target. But uh, it could be difficult this season. I think the fans being back, I feel like that's going to make things more difficult away from home. Um, you know, with, you know when the home team has a crowd to spur them on to, to try and meet Leeds' fitness levels and and commitment levels, maybe that will be more difficult for us. But yeah, we we will see. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping top six.
0: The first day of the season, the fixture computer has been very generous to you. It will be live on BT Sport. Um, What I love about this book that you've written, which covers the two seasons, 2018 to 2020, it could not have been written before about 2001 because there is so much of you... (laughs) following the club from abroad on teletext on bbc sport you know what i mean on bbc sport yeah. on soccer saturday whereas you have a chance yeah. now to either go to old trafford or watch it on tv the opening fixture yeah. of your season so where will you be watching it um i will probably be watching it in the pub i
1: imagine uh, i will apply for games so i'm a season ticket holder but um i don't go to you know with leeds the away tickets are in such demand that you pretty much have to go to every game to get a ticket however this season they've changed it a bit so they're going to put a portion of the tickets on sale for season ticket holders as well for each away game so I'll apply um, but I'm not holding out any hope at all really um, it'd be incredible to get a ticket uh, but otherwise yeah I'll be in the pub or, or maybe with some friends at someone's house if, if they're willing to host um, but yeah it can't be worse than last season certainly the first two and a half minutes can't be worse
0: oh, touch wood Remind me what happened last season.
1: Uh, So, two and a half minutes. Well, I'll tell you what. um, Five minutes before the game, me and my friend were settling down. We were a bit nervous, apprehensive, excited. And I said, Oh, do you remember in 1995 when we played them at Old Trafford in the FA Cup and we were 2 0 down after four minutes? And we we had a great laugh. And then, two and a half minutes into the game, we were 2 0 down. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Was this the 6 2?
1: Six-two in the, the end, yeah. Turn. So we yes. we won the last quarter one-nil. Um, so I'm clinging on to that.
0: Yeah, you're going in on form, um, but it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a yeah. it's a perfect match because Manchester United will have Jadon Sancho. He will be playing against his England teammate Calvin Pierlo, um, whose yeah. rise is completely indicative of what uh, Bielsa has done. And we will talk about Calvin Phillips in the second half. Uh, there's also home games against Everton. Uh, away games against Burnley and Newcastle. But the one that I think I will make time to watch is a super Sunday, and it's live, uh, Allen, Ellen Road against Liverpool. Now, this pits two of the greatest managers of the modern era, Jürgen Klopp yeah. and Marcelo Bielsa. And you write about the non-stop tenacity of the ball. Now, that is the essence of the modern game. So how amazed have you been... Have you been in the last three years to see? Well, let's, for argument's sake, call it Steve Evans's leads. The transition from the leads of Steve Evans to the leads of Non Stop Tenacity off the ball.
1: Yeah, it, it's absolutely astonishing. It's it's amazing to watch. I mean, yeah, like you say, I that's what I love the best about football. And I think a lot of Leeds fans are the same. Um, you know, we've grown up, and you know, the culture of Leeds. It, it's more I, I do think it's more off the ball than on the ball. Yeah, the Leeds fans they want to see the team harrying, hustling. You know, O'Leary's team was the same, you know, that was when I was young. Obviously, um you know, Wilkinson's team as well in the early nineties and, and Revy in the seventies. They were all very tenacious, aggressive, you know, wanting to win the ball back as quickly as they can. But Bielsa's style is just yeah, it, it's to a whole new level. Um I mean the problem is that it's it really has ruined football. <laughs> there's you know non-Leeds matches for me. I you know I just get frustrated watching it. And and the thing about it as well that I really don't understand is that it's the lower league teams and the championship teams there's no excuse for them not to be able to play like this and I don't understand how you know how managers don't want the team to be as fit as Bielsa and I, I don't understand how Bielsa actually quite you know gets what he does out of the Leeds players. You know whether it's you know just his style of man, manage that, man management that, that pushes them on to you know to be so motivated, or you well, know whether it's you know his training methods are, are you know are so so different. Um, but the fitness levels of Leeds is just unbelievable, and, and that's what I love seeing. They just don't stop. You know, up and down the pitch constantly. Whenever we've got the ball, the seven players sprinting forward. You know, we only leave the two centre backs and Calvin Phillips. Normally he won't sprint forward, and you know those three sort of hold hold the defence, and the rest of them are just trying to you know get forward as quickly as they can, and it, it's just phenomenal to watch. So when when you know for for example with England in the summer, you know as exciting as it was getting so far, you know I, I was a lot of the time frustrated, you know not seeing the fullbacks overlap, and you know not seeing players busting their gut to win the ball back. And I know international football is different, and I'm not even criticising Southgate at all. You know, it, it, it does get frustrating to watch when you're used to watching the way Leeds play and when you know how, how football can
0: be done. Very interesting. Two points coming from that, Para. Uh, Ian Evatt has had two consecutive promotions with Barrow and Bolton. And his football is influenced by Guardiola, which is obviously influenced by Bielsa. So he is making it work right. at the lower level. And yeah. amazingly, he's combining it with the Ian Holloway method of management that he knows so well from Blackpool. And then the second point, did you hear Patrick Bamford? Well, he's, he's on the podcast, isn't he, with Jermaine Beckford? He's on the Leeds podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. uh, and he uh, had an appearance on the Peter Crouch podcast, which I listened to, and he, it's full of nothing but praise for the murder ball, for the training sessions. Because if you are at work and the manager is treating you like it's the last minute of a game and you have to run, when it comes to Manchester United at, against at Old Trafford on the opening day of the season, yeah. you're not know, in that cauldron with fans back, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of protest against the Glazers as well. That is going to be a wonderful fixture. And Bamford is the one who... Um, you know, he turned down Harvard, famously. Yes, yeah, yeah. That is a, a fact as well known as Sadiq Khan's dad is a bus driver. Um, but <laughs> in, a, in a world where the number nine is sort of a nine and a half or a nine and three quarters, Bamford has come up as a number nine. And he'll be back against Chelsea very, very soon, his old club, and against Crystal Palace. Yeah his old club. So, how important has Bamford been? The brains of Bamford up front?
1: Yeah, absolutely vital. And, and the thing about Bamford as well is, as, as everyone knows, really, you know, in his time in the Championship for Leeds, you know, a lot of Leeds fans didn't believe in him. I didn't believe in him. In his first season, he had two really serious knee injuries, so you can pretty much write that one off. But in his second season, for all, you know, his, his play outside the box, his link-up play, his work ethic was was fantastic. But in terms of you know finishing the chances, he you know he did have, he had a really torrid time pretty much most of the season. He had a couple of nice uh, purple patches. But I was always, so yeah, I'm I'm not saying I knew better because I readily admit that, you know, I didn't think that Bamford was was good enough. Yeah, yeah, I I probably didn't think he was good enough and I thought we could get better and if we had a better striker that would score 25 goals, we'd walk the league. But the thing was in the Championship, every team we were playing against had 10 men behind the ball, you know, 10 men in their own box, you know, half the match and when you do get chances, they're all, you know, it's fist in, and there's bodies in the way and, you know, yeah, you know, the ball's coming off limbs and falling to you here and there, and it's all very hectic. Whereas in the Premier League, and I did sort of hope that it might be the case that when we have a bit more space, when we're counter-attacking, and, and chances are coming in, in different ways, and it's it's not all as quite as desperate, um, you know, as it was in the Championship. Because a lot of people probably are surprised to hear that, you know. Leeds didn't blow the championship away I mean we won the league by 10 points in the end but every game was always tight every game was a real struggle pretty much you know all winning by one goal or drawing or losing and so every yeah in all moments there was it was just constant pressure and and with promotion that pressure seems to have been released and last season Bamford was just absolutely fantastic I mean you know it it looks like a well, he is a top-class striker um, and I really hope that he does get into the England squad because he deserves it, if for nothing else but for having the self-confidence in himself to to turn down Ireland while he was in the Championship and Leeds fans thinking he's not good enough for Leeds, he turned down international football with Ireland, you know, hoping to get into the England squad at the age of, well, he was probably 26 at the time. So, yeah, God, he'll deserve it when it happens and, mm. I, and I think it will because... You know, he does offer something different, he never stops he's intelligent, he's got all the skills, he's got a lovely touch and yeah, six seventeen 17 goals I think he banged in last season, I, I wouldn't bet him against him getting 20 this year
0: Yeah, it is just a shame that uh, ahead of him I've actually got a depth chart for the England side, which I'll I'll hit now yeah. ahead of him are Kane, Abraham, Calvert-Lewin actually Abraham might not be, Danny Ings Callum Wilson, Ollie Watkins Eddie Nketiah, so he's one of about eight and injuries and and uh, squad rotation will mean uh, that it might make it difficult for him. But if he scores loads of goals this season, it would help him uh, if he opens yeah. his account very well. Um, this will go out on the 1st of October. And you know why? Because you play Watford on the 2nd of October.
1: Ah, OK, fantastic. I think
0: <laughs> Leeds are a better side than Watford. This season, our front three are a Senegalese, a Colombian called Cucho, who no one's really know, heard anything about in England, uh, and Joao Pedro, a young Brazilian who is the next Richarlison. Uh, however, right. at, the, at the back for Leeds, who, who what is your back for? Is it the great Salim Cooper again?
1: Yeah, yeah, Cooper will, will definitely start the season. Um, we're, we're blessed, really. We've got four I mean, it's ironic because, you know, for, well, all season people were talking about how badly Leeds defend. But actually, all four centre-backs had fantastic seasons. Cooper, all of them missed a lot of the the season through injury. But Cooper had a great season and, yeah, he's the captain and he'll absolutely retain his place. But he is being pushed really hard by the young Dutch player, uh, Pascal Stroik, who he looks a, a real class act at the back, really comfortable on the ball. Just a really solid, solid defender as well. So he's come on leaps and bounds. And then alongside them, you have a German international, Robin Koch, who's uh, you know, he's about six foot four, really tall, imposing guy, but fantastic on the ball. He, he's really impressed me. Uh, but he missed the whole second half of last season with injury. And then Lorente, uh, Diego Lorente, Spanish international, who was at the Euros, but he didn't—he didn't, he didn't uh, make an appearance at the Euros. But he was injured the whole first half of the season. But when he came back into the team, Leeds were, you know, well, basically we were—I think first or second in the form guide, you know, while while he was in the team for the last eleven or twelve matches, um, he made a huge difference. So. It's a really tough one to, to name, the, the, the centre-backs. You'll have Ayling and, and Junior Firpo either side of them. And, uh, yeah, Ayling is certainly an unsung hero. He's He's been unbelievable. He, in fact, he's one of the players that, that Bielsa hasn't had to improve so much because he was already a, a really top right-back, certainly in the Championship um, when Bielsa arrived. And he's just gone from strength to strength. I think the, the way that Bielsa's improved their fitness levels has just automatically improved them as footballers as well. Just probably confidence, as you know, n- knowing that you're so fit, knowing that you're fitter than the opposition seems to have really, you know, really increased all, all the confidence levels. So that's probably been a, a part of it. But yeah, hard to say what the defence will be by the time October comes mm. around because... In Leeds also do tend to get a lot of injuries probably because of the intensity of the training session. Yeah,
0: soft tissue. So, uh, I'm interested in Luke Ayling because yeah. he was part of the Arsenal Youth Cup winning side and I've got this book about the Youth yeah. Cup. Uh, Leeds' youth oh, team, okay. have they been solid in recent years? Are there some? Is there some young talent coming through? I mean, you mentioned Shackleton in the book. Uh, you yeah. mentioned the other chap uh, who got chucked in. He's now on loan at Bournemouth. Uh, Davis. Oh,
1: yes, Leif Davis, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Leeds is youth setup. I mean, obviously, we're, we're constantly producing players, you know, over the past 25 years. Um, but, yeah, in, in the wilderness years, the Thorpe Arch Academy was completely neglected. So, we've only just, only last season was our first season back in, um, like, PL2, division 2 i think yeah. and then now we're on we, we got promoted we won that league and we we're, we're now in PL2 you know competing with the you know with the best under 23 teams in the country so it'll be interesting to see how we do but actually in the in the past couple of years we've really just been focused on actually acquiring the talent so you know we've we've been buying a lot of youngsters from other clubs like uh, Sam Greenwood came in from Arsenal Joe Gellhart from uh, Wigan Um, we've done a lot we've done a lot of yeah under 23 transfers it's been a real a real focus for them, um, but yeah, so like Shackleton, someone who's been around the squad now for three seasons, and he's not been able to force his way in yet. And he has been playing really well in pre-season. Actually, I went to Blackburn, and he was at right back. He, he seems like he's going to be the cover for Ailing at right back, and he looked he looked great, looked really assured. But I do I do fear for the young guys now that we're you know we we have gone on to a new level now. Um, yeah. So it's going to be hard for people to break in, like you say. Leif Davis has gone to Bournemouth on loan. Uh, yeah, just a, a byproduct of of becoming, you know, becoming better and climbing the leagues. I suppose that you, you know automatically, it's going to be harder for those young players to get in.
0: The, the modern story of Watford, I think, centres around Ben Wilmot, who came in because his uh, boss from Stevenage came in. Was it Stevenage? Signed for Watford, and we had to loan him out uh, because he couldn't get a game. Right. We've now sold him on to Stoke, I think, because he's not even in the manager's plans because Rishko obviously has four defenders or five defenders ahead of him. And like Phillips, Calvin, yeah. Calvin Pirlo, uh, Wilmot, who's England under 21, can play centre-back, centre-midfield, but he needs the football because it's all well and good on right. two million quid a year, I guess, he earns. But you've got to do your job. And I found with yeah. football manager, you need a small squad of really talented Pros, it does look like you've sorted out the goalkeeper issue. It was hilarious reading uh, in your book, Martina Biesa versus the Damned United, about Kiko Casilla, the suspended racist, yeah. um, and who who rushed yeah. out. Was it four times against Derby, and he got caught out twice, yeah. and that was it. That was his yeah, career.
1: in the first half, in the yeah, in the first half of the playoff semi-final, he, he did. I mean. I, most people know that, yeah, we were winning 2-0 and, and then he came rushing out of goal and, and it cost us a goal right on half-time and, and then we collapsed after that. But, yeah, he'd already done it twice and he, he'd got away with it. You know, in fact, the first two times he did it, he did really well. And then, yeah, the fourth the third time he cost us a goal and then the fourth time, I mean, he cost us the goal pretty much right on half-time. But then there was still time for it to happen once more and oh my God, Ellen Rowe was just going absolutely potty. They could, I just could not believe what I was seeing. They had the, the goal to come out of his box the fourth time after what had just happened and, and almost cost us another goal. It, it was phenomenal. But to be fair to him, he, he did he bounced back in the first half of the following season and he actually had a decent half of yeah, the season but yeah. then the, the, the mistakes started happening again and, and it, yeah, it just became untel- and untenable and... I mean, it's, horrible thing to, yeah, it's a horrible circumstance um, to, to call it good luck, but
0: his, his ban for racism—you know—I it, it, mean, it couldn't have happened at a better time I know for what you mean. because yeah, he yeah. was really struggling with yeah. form, and,
1: and it enabled us to, to, to see Ilan Melier um, in action and see what he could do. And uh, he's just been unbelievable since then.
0: Uh, and having a number one of that—I mean, Watford have got Ben Foster and uh, Daniel Backman, who played in goal for Austria. Um, and Rob Elliott is our third choice, but I think Mellier last season, um, outside these breakaway clubs, we have to call them the breakaway six. They're not super anymore. They're the breakaway six. Uh, The 14 that aren't the breakaway six, Mellier was one of the best players in uh, that division. I, I guess Leeds' desire is to try and break into the breakaway in the way that Brendan Rodgers and Leicester have. Is that kind of your model? Because you've got a manager who rivals Brendan as the best manager in the league. Uh, And there are no stars in this team, just as there are no stars in the Leicester team.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's what Radrizzani has said. That you know, he's pointed to the Leicester model, um, you know, as the one that that he you know he follows and that he wants to emulate and and eventually overtake. You know, Leeds have you know, I mean, they've got huge potential. You know, Leeds Leeds could be one of the top four clubs in the country. You know, with, without any further investment, as long as you know things keep going well on the pitch, I, I believe that. Um, but Leicester have done unbelievably well. I mean, yeah, what what a well-run club. And for them to win the league and then have that little dip and then come back, I mean, yeah, it's, it's credit to Rogers really. You have to say that. It would have been, you know, they've, they've had a few managers since that hasn't been able to do what Rogers has done. And But also, of course, on the recruit, recruitment side of things, they've been incredibly shrewd, the way that they've sold and the way that they've bought. Um, so Leeds are going to have to do that. And I think I think Leeds fans are realistic enough to know, you know, we, we, we hate... Thinking about the prospect of our top players leaving, but I think it is inevitable. I can't imagine that we're going to keep progressing at a rate that's going to be quick enough for some players, such as Rafinha, who's you know is an absolute superstar. You know, he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to be one of the top players in the league this season. I think he would have. He, I think he was last season, but he, again, he was another that struggled with injuries. Um, at first so it, yeah it took a while to, to hit his stride but he's got everything in the locker he's, he's a really exciting talent and I don't think it's long it's going to be long until uh, teams are knocking on, on the door for players like him and, and of course Phillips as well so yeah it, it, it's a worry but Leeds are just going to have to accept that I think and, and recruit um sensibly I think that's what they're doing you know in in the recruitment of the under 23s I think they're just trying to you know build a, a foundation where one or two may come through because that's the thing you know you, if you spend five or six million on on a group of youngsters all you need is one of them to to come through and they've saved you 25 30 yep. million you know it's, it's not even a case of selling them on to make it profit it, it, it's it's the case of not having to have someone in that position uh, that would cost you that sort of money um so there's the way it has to be done. If you're going to, if you're going to, you know, break into the uh, the breakaway six,
0: and that is what Senor Orta is being paid to do.